There is a river where goodness flows. There is a fountain that drowns sorrow. There is an ocean deeper than the fear. The tide is rising, rising. There is a current stirring deep inside. It's overflowing from the heart of God, the flood of heaven. Crashing over us, the tide is rising, rising. Bursting, bursting up from the ground. We feel it now. Bursting, bursting up from the ground. We feel it now. We come alive in the river. We come alive in the Come alive in the river. We come alive in the river. River, where goodness flows. There is a fountain to drown sorrows. There is an ocean deeper than our fear. The tide is rising, rising. There is a current stirring deep inside. It's overflowing. From the heart of God, the flood of heaven Crashing over us, the tide is rising, rising Sing, bursting, bursting up from the ground We feel it now Bursting, bursting up from the ground We feel it now, we come alive in the river come alive in the river we come alive in the river we come alive in the river break open the prison doors Set all the captives free Spring up a well Spring up a well Spring up a well in me Nothing can stop this joy We're dancing in the streets Spring up a well Spring up a well Spring up a well in me Break open prison doors Set all the captives free Spring up a well Spring up a well Spring up a well in me Nothing can stop this joy We're dancing in the streets Spring up a well Spring up a well Spring up a well in me Bursting, bursting up from the ground We feel it now sing Bursting, bursting up from the ground We feel it now We come alive in the river 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 
more time. We come alive in the river. 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 Praise His name. Hallelujah. We come alive in the river. We welcome this morning to Maple Street. And um, I'm going to need your help to sing this morning because I'm, I don't know if you hear it, but I hear it in my head. I sound a little nasally. So uh, if, I, if I do, I, I need your help to sing really, really well and praise the Lord. Amen. Can we do that this morning? Can we do that? And um, yeah, we come alive in the river, river metaphor. Amen. Water, a metaphor that we find in Scripture of the, of the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that brings life. Amen? It's the Holy Spirit that brings new life. It's the Holy Spirit that transforms us. It's the Holy Spirit of God that's, that's here and continues to move. And um, we just want to see the Holy Spirit move in our lives. And, and we want to give him preeminence here this morning and, and allow him to do what he wants to do. So we welcome you this morning and trust you've been having a great week. And, um, and uh, so we're just going to pray this morning. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to be welcome in this place. And so, Holy Spirit, we, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Holy Spirit of God, who uh, Jesus said that he would send another comforter. And he would send the spirit of truth who would lead us and guide us into all truth. And he would send the spirit, and it's the spirit, according to Jesus in, in John 3, that tells us that, that it is the spirit, that we have to be born again of the spirit. And so we thank you for that rebirth. We thank you for not only the rebirth, but we thank you for the work as, as we desire to yield to you and to your promptings and leading and as you illuminate the truth of God in our lives, that we're able to follow and yield to the Spirit who brings life and peace. And we pray this morning, Holy Spirit, you'll also uh, bring a, a work of, of, of deep cleansing. And we also pray, Holy Spirit, that you will empower us to go into this world to do the work that Jesus has commissioned us to do. As the Holy Spirit have your way this morning, we thank you, Jesus, for sending him, the third person of the Trinity. And we just thank you, God, today for what, you're, what you have in store for each and every one of us. May our hearts be attentive today as, as you lead us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Yes, the river is here. The river of God sets our feet a-dancing. The river of God fills our hearts with cheer. The river of God fills our mouths with laughter. And we rejoice for the river is here. The river of God is teeming with life. And all who touch it can be revived. Those who linger on this river shore will come back thirsting more of the Lord. As the river of God sets our feet a-dancing, 
The river of God fills our hearts with cheer. The river of God fills our mouths with laughter. And we rejoice for the river is here. We rejoice for the river is here. Let's go down the mountain. Well, down the mountain the river flows. And it brings refreshing wherever it goes. And through the valleys and over the fields. The river is rushing and the river is here. Sing. Now the river of God sets our feet a-dancing. The river of God fills our hearts with cheer. The river of God fills our mouths with laughter. And we rejoice for the river is here. And the river of God is teeming with life. And those who touch it can be revived. Those who linger on this river shore will come back thirsting for more of the Lord. Cause the river of God sets our feet a dancing. The river of God fills our hearts with cheer. The river of God fills our mouths with laughter. And we rejoice for the river is here. So up, so up to the mountain we love to go to find the presence of the Lord. Along the banks of the river we run, we dance with laughter, giving praise to the sun. Sing, the river of God sets our feet a-dancing. The river of God fills our hearts with cheer. The river of God fills our mouths with laughter. And we rejoice for the river is here. Oh, the river of God sets our feet a-dancing. You can dance. The river of God fills our hearts with cheer. The river of God fills our mouths with laughter. And we rejoice for the river is here. One time. Oh, the river of God sets our feet a-dancing. The river of God fills our hearts with cheer. The river of God fills our mouths with laughter. And we rejoice, for the river is here. Oh yes, we rejoice, for the river is here. We rejoice, for the river is here. These are the days of Elijah Declaring the word of the Lord And these are the days of your servant Moses Righteousness being restored And though these are days of great trials Of famine and darkness and sore Still we are the voice in the desert crying Prepare ye the way of the Lord Behold He comes Riding on the clouds Shining like the sun At the trumpet call So lift your voices The year of Jubilee Out of Zion's hill Salvation comes And these are the days of Ezekiel The dry bones becoming as flesh 
And these are the days of your servant David rebuilding a temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest. The fields are white in the world. And we are the laborers in your vineyard declaring the word of the Lord. Behold, he comes shining like clouds. Shining like the sun at the trumpet call, so lift your voice, cause it's the year of Jubilee. And out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. So oh, behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. Lift your voice, cause it's the year of Jubilee. And out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. There's no God. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, so lift your voice, because it's the year of Jubilee. Out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. And out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. And out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise His name. Hallelujah. Praise God this morning. Amen. We've gathered, or we've waited for this day, and we've gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire, will burn our hearts with truth. Say, you're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing so Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our praise. Sing out again. Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart. Filling every part of our praise We've waited We've waited for this day We've gathered in your name Calling out to you Your glory like a fire Awakening desire Will burn our hearts with truth Cause you're the reason we're here you're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our praise. So open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart, 
filling every part of our frame. Presence in this place, your glory on each face. We're looking to the sky, descending like a cloud. You're standing with us now, Lord. Unveil our eyes, sing. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Oh, open up the heavens. We want to see you open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part race. It's open up the heavens, we want to see you open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our praise. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us. Show us your glory, Lord. Sing that again. Show us. Show us. Show us your glory. Show us. Show us your power. Show us. Show us your glory, Lord. Show us. Show us your glory. Show us. Show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart. Filling every part of our praise. One more time. Open up the heavens. So open up the heavens. We want to see you open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our praise. Hallelujah. Praise his name this morning. Praise his name. Hallelujah. Praise his name this morning. Maybe just take a couple of moments here this morning. We haven't done this uh, but if we could get around maybe and just greet one another just for a few moments and uh, welcome each other into the, into the house of the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. If we do the line and the left first before I'm meeting, then we can move in and do some slower songs. 
That's true. That's true, Logan. That's true. Is there a second page that you agree? the line of the lamb. on the clouds kings and kingdoms will bow down he's breaking every chain broken hearts declare his praise but who can stop the Lord almighty our God is the lion the lion of Judah he's roaring with power and fighting our battles Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. The sin of the world, His blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before Him. Coming on the clouds, kings and kingdoms will bow down. Every chain will break, his broken hearts declare his praise. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power, and he's fighting our battles. 
and every knee will bow before him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. The sin of the world, his blood breaks the chains. And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. And every knee will bow before him. Open up the gates. Open up the gates. Make way before the King of Kings. The God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power. Fighting our battles, every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. The sin of the world, His blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before Him. stop the Lord Almighty? Who can 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 stop the Lord Almighty? Sing. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power. He's fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. For the sin of the world, His blood breaks the chains. And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. And every knee will bow before Him. Sing. All our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power. He's fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. The sin of the world, his blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb, and every knee will bow before him. So who can stop the Lord Almighty? 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 Do you believe that? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? 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 
who can stop the Lord Almighty? Because it's our God. Because our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power. He's fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. The sin of the world, His blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before Him. Hallelujah. You are the Lamb who can stop the Lord Almighty. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are great, Lord. You are great. give life you are love you bring light to the darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is broken great are you it again. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath. It's your breath. Our lungs, so we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. You give life, you are love, you bring light. Darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath, it's your breath. Pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, pour out our praise, it's your breath. Shout your praise, our hearts will cry. He 
bones will sing. Great are you, Lord, a singer, and all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. our hands and our voices and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are you Lord one more time and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing are you Lord because it's your breath it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our it's your breath in our lungs so pour out our praise to you only and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are you Lord and all the earth shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are you Lord and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are you Shout your praise, our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Let's worship Him. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. Pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lungs. Is he great in your life this morning? Is he great? Is he great in the sanctuary today? Is he great? Hallelujah. Great are you, Lord. Great are you. are you Lord hallelujah hallelujah praise his name praise his name he is great and he's greatly to be praised 
So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. Let's worship Him. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Sing out light of the world you step down into darkness and open my eyes let me see the beauty that made this heart adore you the hope of a life spent with you so here I am to worship here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. King of all days, oh so highly exalted and glorious in heaven above oh humbly you came to the earth you created all for love's sake and became poor so here I am to worship here I am to bow down here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. And I'll never know, yes, I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely. All together worthy, all together wonderful to me. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful. 
faithful to me. Is he lovely to you this, this morning? So we exalt thee. So we exalt thee. So we exalt thee. We exalt Thee, we exalt Thee, we exalt Thee, oh Lord. More time, we exalt Thee. Yes, we exalt Thee, we Exalt Thee, we exalt Thee, O Lord, we exalt Thee, we exalt Thee, as we exalt you in this place, Lord, this morning. You are great. You're the lion and you're the lamb. You're the alpha and the omega. You're the beginning and the end. You are our redeemer. You are our rock. You are our refuge in the time of the storm. You're our healer. You're our sanctifier. You are the one who baptizes us. You save us, Lord. You are our coming king. And Lord, this morning we exalt you as a body of believers this morning, as we gather in your name. Lord, we just pray this morning that our worship, our praise, our hearts, oh God, our affections have been turned toward you today. That, Father, that we are attentive to listening to the voice of God today. I pray this morning that you'll speak to each and every heart, every life, every person that is here today. That, God, that we will, go, we will not go away today We will not go away today without knowing, Lord, that we have met with you. And we pray, Lord, this morning we will have an encounter with you. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Speak to every heart, Lord. I pray, Father, that you will help us to be conformed more to your will and your ways. Help us, O God, to be more like Jesus, we pray. Help us, Lord, to be conformed to your word. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, guys. I think I'll try to move this out of the way.
check, check, check. Okay, I'll, I'll use the other one. So I'm gonna have a short leash. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a short leash. I see the microphone stand has the cord down over it. Well, good morning, everyone. It's the weather is getting better, isn't it? Isn't that fantastic? Spring just kind of, winter just, winter was here. And uh, I'm glad it's, it's finally spring. They talk about global warming, you know. And I don't know about global warming by the way things have been going here. I was talking to my parents yesterday and they had mentioned that uh, they, were, they had a slow warm-up out east too, so it seems to be Canada-wide. But it's great to get some sunshine. How many are glad for that? Now, just remember now, I just want to give you a forewarning that, that that doesn't mean that on Sundays we don't want you here just because there's sunshine. You understand? Yeah, we, we, love, we love getting together with God's people and worshiping the Lord, so... Um, you know, the Bible talks about six days, right? You got six days, so on the seventh day we can get together and and, uh, and be able to worship God and, and be able to get into his word and, and, and fellowship. And how many know that in, whenever you're here, I just want to let you know, that everybody that's here this morning, you're here and you're encouraging someone today. Did you know that? Uh, in fact, you're encouraging me. So uh, uh, when we're not able to make it, and we're not able to make it for various reasons, sometimes it can, you know, but that's okay, everybody has different times and seasons and things that come up and, and we can't always be together. But whenever you're here, you're always, you're always encouraging someone and I just want to let you know, when you're here, you're encouraging me. So if, if, if someone else beside you isn't being encouraged because you're here, just to let you know, you're encouraging someone. At least one person is being encouraged, okay? So I just want to let you know that. And um, yeah, so we got a few announcements and then we're going to dismiss the kids after we take our t- uh, morning offering as well. But just a, a few announcements. I'm not sure if you got your, your bulletin this morning. I know I did on the way in. And um, just a few things. And, and if you have a trusty pen in your pocket, uh, you may need to do a little bit of a change. Just because, uh, just to let you know, on uh, Tuesday we are finished now with our circle maker. And uh, for this week only, just for this week only, we're going to get together first Tuesday night, May the 1st, anticipating and expecting, I used those words before, that uh, we're going to have a real good crowd here and going to have a really transformative concert. And so if you haven't let folks know, please let them know, Tuesday, May 1, 7 o'clock, Watoto is going to be here. Thanks for all the people that have be, uh, been willing to uh, billet some of the children and also, of course, those who have been contacted to give a little hand in, in preparation for when they come. So just want to thank you for all those things. And, of course, uh, just to let you know, if, uh, if you haven't already, if you haven't already submitted a membership application, I want to let you know that those are still available at the office. And of course, on um, the third, I guess it's already passed. I missed that, didn't I? And of course, next, yes, next Sunday, I was thinking of Heritage House. I missed that. I didn't make it because of didn't want to pass things around. But just to let you know as well, of course, next Sunday morning is our birthday Sunday. Who might have a birthday in the month of April? I know one guy, look, way up there, two hands up in the air. He's hit double digits now. He's 10 years old, all the way, you know, 2008 to 2018. Uh, Aiden has made it to 10. And so he's very fortunate he's made it to 10. Because, uh, no, just joking. 
Uh, but then again, he's got three older brothers and a younger sister, so he's, he's fortunate. He's made it all the way to 10 years of age. Congratulations. Anybody else celebrating a birthday uh, in the month of April? Jordan. Jordan, where are you, Jordan? Do I see you there? I, I, they're pointing. She's over that way. Oh, Jordan. Oh, there's your hand. Look. Put, put, you need two hands up, Jordan. Jordan is, yeah, there you go. So we got a couple youngsters. And how old are you going to be, Jordan? Eight. All the way. You made it. That's a, that's a, that is a summit. That you've, you've made it to eight years old. That's fantastic. You were born in 2010, weren't you? Good year. Elizabeth was born in 2010. Is that right? Good. Oh, on a good Friday. That's even better. Even better. On a, a very important. Yes. So happy birthday to Aiden and uh, Jordan in the month of April. And we're going to be celebrating with cake and ice cream. Who likes cake and ice cream? So you won't want to miss the Aiden. Letting me know he loves cake and ice cream. He's a man after my own heart. Amen. So that's all the uh, announcements this morning. We're going to turn to our time to receive our morning tithe and offering. Then we're going to dismiss the kids with a word of prayer. And so if we could ask our ushers to come this morning as we give to the Lord. Just want to let you know, when you give to the Lord, uh, you're, you know, um, it's, it's kind of amazing. I was thinking about this uh, just th- this week that, you know, when we give into a Maple Street Worship Center, did you know it doesn't just go to Maple Street? Did you know that? Maple Street Worship Center endeavors to give as much as we can away to mission work around the world. Uh, we also support Vanguard College, which trains up a generation every single year to Vanguard College in Edmonton. Our college is turning out new graduates to go into whether it be missionary work or local church work or ministry in the marketplace. Um, we support that college. And uh, so a graduation coming up next Sunday evening at Southside Assembly in Edmonton. They're going to be honoring the graduates as they, as they move on to the next steps in their journey with God. And so we support that. And, uh, of course, as a PAOC-affiliated church, when we give to our, we also give to our district office, which goes to our national office, which supports all sorts of missional endeavors here and around the world. We also, uh, as, a, as a denomination, work among uh, those who have campus ministries in our universities. So there's a lot of, it's not just, it's not just Maple Street. Maple Street Worship Center is not a, um, it's not a, a pool that doesn't have inlets and outlets. So you're an inlet, and we have avenues for which these, these funds can go and support work all over the world. <clears throat> and so this is all about the work of the kingdom. Anybody would agree with that this morning? This is about the kingdom work. So we're going we're gonna to say this together. We're going to pray this as we receive today's offering. That we're believing you for heaven open, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestations, anointings, giftings, and calls, positions and promotions, provisions and resources to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation, saved and set free, carrying kingdom revival. So thank you, Father as I join my value system to yours, that you will shower favor, blessing, and increase upon me so that I may have more than enough to co-labor with Jesus. Hallelujah. I thought I had it memorized. Amen.
I thought I had it memorized. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you as you give this morning. Oh, yeah. So a little, a little testimony here before we uh, call the children up. It's related to youngsters. I can't say it better than you. This could go either way. When I get one of these things in my hand, it's either like long or really, really short. But I can't walk away today without sharing something that happened to us the first of the week because I feel like when God does something, it not only encourages us, but it's meant to encourage other people. So the place that we live, we have a glassed-in sun porch on our back with a door, and it's kind of like an extension of our house. And Logan and Ethan both have BMX bikes. Anybody who goes around town knows they're everywhere. But... Logan has bought both bikes and his own, he's put a lot of his own money into. It's probably over $2,000. So these bikes are, are worth a lot and they're, they're something that he's worked toward. It's a tangible reminder of things that he's done. So when we moved to our new house, we don't have access to the garage. So I said, you know what, you guys can just keep the bikes out in the back porch. It backs onto their bedroom. If anybody's out there, you'll, you'll hear them. Like, you'll hear them. And So that worked out well until Monday when they went out to clean and Ethan looked around and he was like our bikes are gone they're gone and I, my heart sank because I'm the one who had this bright idea just keep them out there nothing will happen to them and Logan kept saying well what if they get stolen what if they get stolen and I'm like they're not going to get stolen people would literally have to come into our yard come into our backyard in the dark shine flashlights around to find them they're, they're fine so when they said the bikes were gone, I kind of thought, oh, you're just, you're just teasing me because you want to keep your bikes in the house, and this is a great way. And, but they weren't, and they were gone. And Logan was so upset. Ethan was Sherlock and trying to figure out where they went and who took them. And so Logan and, uh, had gone next door and asked them, because they stay up later than we do, did you see anybody in our yard last night? And he said, yeah, around midnight we saw a guy coming out of the driveway riding one bike and carrying the other and we were yelling at them trying to get them to stop but he just kept going and so he said he went that way and so Logan came in and Stephen and he went and they tried to find the bikes and I was so upset because we've had a series of things that have happened that I've just been trying to I've been struggling with and and I said God why 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 the kids like we're adults but why the kids and it was like instantly he said pray and he directed me I believe to pray and so Ethan and Aiden and I we prayed and I said God I don't know why this is happening but those those bikes belong to Logan and Ethan they paid for them they're theirs people can't steal from your kids they can't take things from your children and get away with it and even though it's just bikes to me to them they mean something and so I said whatever has happened I pray that you'll arrest the person who's taken them and that the bikes will be found in open sight, that they'll just find them. And I got up and I looked out the window and Logan was coming up the driveway carrying his bike. Somebody had gone to all the trouble to steal it, to throw it on the lawn down the street. So I said, okay, well, that's one. So we need the other one. And again, we just, I was like, okay, well, I'm so excited. And then Logan's just like happy he's got his bike back. But I'm like, yay, God, right it was right there. Like, it was, why did they steal it to throw it on a lawn? Okay, so where's Ethan's bike? And so about an hour later, Logan came home riding Ethan's bike. He found it dumped in an alley, and there was not one bit of damage done to either bicycle. And I just thought, you know, they might not understand it now, but 
that was a direct answer to a prayer that I prayed. And I don't know how God works. I don't understand prayer. I don't know how he does things. And if I could figure it out, then he wouldn't be God. So, you know, whether I prayed then and he directed me and he was working behind the scenes in reverse, I don't know. But we found, or they found the bikes, and I believe it showed God's heart toward them and that they'll look back on that and they'll think, well, if God will cares how I feel about an inanimate object, but it's something that matters to me, then how much more does he care about eternal things? And, like, I don't know. I just couldn't leave today and not share how we had an answer like that this week. If you have your Bible this morning, and, and if you could turn uh, into Nehemiah and just stick your, your... Oh, yes, the kids. Sorry, the kids. The kids don't want to hear this. All right, let's get the kids together. Round them all up. We're going to pray for them. We're going to dismiss them. Good-looking bunch. Good-looking bunch. Can we pray together? Over these, over these precious people. Very precious. Cute too. Amen. So Lord, we pause and we stop to, uh, just to bless these children. And uh, we ask, Lord, this morning that as they go into Treehouse, that Father, that you will uh, be with the teachers, you will be with uh, those who are leading them, and you will give them wisdom. And I pray this morning that uh, something significant, something powerful will be imparted to them today. And so that, God, that they will know you in, in a, a better way than they have before. May they learn, Lord, to, to know you and to hear your voice and to be led and guided by you. May they sense your love this morning. And uh, may your blessing and favor rest upon them. And may their hearts be open to learn more about you today. And may it change their lives and their families. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless them as they go up the treehouse. Amen. Well, this morning I want to I want to kind of touch on a subject that uh, we we tend to throw that word. There's a word that gets thrown around quite a bit, and that word is is a word called revival. Revival. Now I may need to kind of break this into two segments. I'm not sure this morning, but. I don't know, what's the first thing that you think of when you think of revival? What's some of the first, I'm going to ask questions, and so I'm going to throw it out, and you can actually answer out loud if you want to. Now, I'm really on a short leash. So, uh, three, three things, three people. What's the first thing you think about when you think of revival? Life. Crowds. Life and crowds, okay. Anything else? God moving. God moving, yeah. And I'm sure there's lots of other thoughts that might come. I remember when we were in, uh, in Lockport in our home church, and 
one of the things you'd think about when the word revival came was you'd think about, you know, some preacher with a southern drawl coming up from Tennessee. And, uh, you know, with his hanky and his suspenders, and he's preaching up a storm, and he's there for probably the better part of the week. And uh, you're just seeing that night after night after night, people are responding to uh, the, the, the word of the evangelist, and the altar is, is being used quite significantly. And, uh, you know, you come away kind of thinking that maybe revival comes in the suitcase of the evangelist, you know. And uh, so people say, well, you should come over to this meeting because we're having a revival. As though, you know, we're just going to open up the suitcase and boom, revival kind of just pops out to us. But there's lots of, probably lots of things that come to mind uh, when you think of the word revival. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're a student at all of any church history, you'll know, you'll determine that church history ebbs and flows with times of revival and times of renewal. All the way from the day of Pentecost, oh, actually predating that, all the way from the Old Testament times in the life of Israel, all the way to the present, there have been times different moments, different regions, different areas in which God has, has done some amazing work to bring life, to bring crowds, to bring all the other things that you might uh, think of. Because it's interesting that there have been a number of, of renewal movements, great awakenings, renewals, all those types of things. One of the things is, is that Charles Finney, maybe that's a name familiar to you, but Finney believed that revival would follow when God's people cried out to him in a deep, repentant faith. I believe it was Charles Spurgeon, I think it was, that said something of the effect that, uh, um, that revival is always preceded by, by prayer. And some people, you know, they see revival as, as an act of God, as a sovereign act of God, as as uh, he responds to repentant hearts. Now, if you go to Nehemiah chapter 8 this morning, Nehemiah chapter 8, I'm just going to touch on this really quickly here. Nehemiah, actually, if you go to verse 30, uh, 73, excuse me, in Nehemiah 7. And I'm just going to read a few scripture verses here. It says, when, when the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns and all the people assembled as one man. Now, I just want to give you a little backdrop to this. You'll notice that in verse or chapter 6, excuse me, that we covered uh, a couple of weeks ago, that Nehemiah was trying to be ensnared by his enemies. But then you'll notice if you move into chapter 7, that there's once the walls are rebuilt, uh, you'll notice that Nehemiah is doing some organizational work. He's getting leaders in place. He's getting uh, all such sorts of things, all the ducks lined up, so to speak. And then when we move into, uh, as we're moving toward into uh, in the beginnings of chapter, or the ends of chapter 7 and the, to the beginning of chapter 8, noticing that now that once things are established, the walls have been rebuilt and things are set in order, that, that next step really is, is to crack open the word of God. And so it says, In the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, and all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the scribe, 
to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which had been made up of men, all who were able to understand, and read it aloud, listen to this, read it aloud from daybreak till noon. Daybreak till noon. What time did the sun come up today? Probably before you got up out of bed. Could you imagine this morning if probably, let's just say 6 a.m. Could you imagine if 6 a.m. we all were here in the church building and we opened up the Bible and we started reading until noon? You'd say, boy, that's a pretty boring service. Pretty boring, but this is what they're doing here. Ezra the high priest brings out the law before the assembly, reads it aloud from daybreak until noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. So Lord, we come this morning and we pray that uh, you'll be with us. And we pray, God, that our hearts would be attentive. Attentive, Lord, to what you want to say. And so God, I pray you would take this very straightforward message today, that God, you'll do something miraculous with it. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You're still at work. You're still, you haven't retired. You haven't hung up the skates. You're still at work. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll be at work here, right here in our hearts, right here at Maple Street Worship Center this morning. Do a work in us, we pray. Do a work of reviving in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, amen. Notice the first thing I want you to notice about this, and, and, I, and, I, and I kind of titled this a recipe and results. We might only get to the recipe part. and that's, Is that okay this morning? We might have to do this as a, as a, as a two-parter, and that's, that's probably, I'm guessing, this where it's going to go. One of the things we, 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 we need to look at is this, is that this was a people who were very spiritually receptive. I want you to understand that if you are not spiritually receptive, you're not in a position experience revival spiritual reception now I'm not I'm only going to say this because as an example and this isn't to make me be up here to anyone else but I remember as a, as a kid I had a desire to go to church I had a desire to go to church I want you to know that we did not have a baby grand piano with very skilled players on it we did not have drums, we did not have electric guitars, we did not have PowerPoint, we did not have the things that we have oftentimes take for granted today. When I went to church, I went to a little country church, and I want you to know the music was horrible. It was terrible. I'm just saying, but I want you to know that I believe that the ladies that played with the skill that they had they did it for the Lord they were faithful, they were always there, they never missed if you ask me Steve what is it about Thelma and what was it about Mary that stuck out to you, I would say they were faithful they were faithful they were always there they never missed, did they miss a note they might have missed a note or two, but they never missed coming to service, they in the, in, the, in the morning service at 11, in the evening service at 7, you could always count on those two ladies. They were faithful. 
When we went to youth convention, you'd go to youth convention and they had a full ensemble. It was exciting. It was upbeat. It was more like it is here on a Sunday morning. This is like coming to youth convention when I was 13. When I went at home, it was like, oh no, we're back to the old same clunkety clinkety clink. But I want you to know that despite all of that stuff, despite the fact we didn't have a youth pastor who was 25 with ripped skinny jeans, he didn't have, you know, he wasn't cool with dark rimmed glasses and a soul patch. Despite the fact that we didn't have all those things, I still had a desire to go to church. And why would I have a desire to go to church? I want you to know that I believe I had a desire to be there because, first of all, the Holy Spirit had caused my heart to be spiritually receptive. There was something in me that believed that there was a value in hearing what the preacher had to say. Now, I'm, I'm only 43. I have an old soul. One guy told me when we, were in Yarm- or when we were in Sussex, New Brunswick, he was the youth pastor there, and he said, you, you're young, but you preach like you have an old soul. So I have a bit of an old soul. So, so if, if that's okay this morning, uh, I, I'm just going to deliver it that way. But as a teenager, I had, the, I had a desire as a kid to go to, to, to Sunday school. I had a desire as a teenager. I even had a desire to be there when I was the only dark-haired person occupying a pew that was all mine. I could stretch out and go to sleep if I wanted to. Whenever the church doors were open, I wanted to be there. Whenever there was a special speaker, I wanted to be there. Whenever there was anything going, even when they, I loved it when they had rallies because they had pie. They always had pie. And boy, did we have a field day eating apple, blueberry, coconut cream, lemon pie. Because some people only had so much of it, but us young followers, we could put it away. And it was great to go to rallies for the pie. This is not a youth rally, by the way. This is a church rally. And we were there with our ugly sweaters and our, and our dress pants on. But I wanted to be there. And I wanted to be there because there was something deep inside that wanted me to know the Word of God. What does the Word of God say to, about me, about where things are going? What does God want? What does He want me to know? And I want to say this morning, I believe that is one of the things that is, is beginning to wane in the lives of Christians is spiritual receptivity. Now, if I can put it another way, it's called hunger. There is a waning in the hunger department. Christians would rather, there's Christians who would rather, and, I'm, uh, and I might step on toes, I don't know. If I do, I'm saying it with love this morning. There are Christians that would rather be at the beach than be in church on a Sunday morning. There are Christians that would rather go tubing. They would rather go to the hockey game. They would rather to be somewhere else. Now, regular church attendance is like once, maybe twice a month. That's regular. That's regular. I remember days and nights when in a little country church, 
that probably would only hold about 100 people. If you showed up at 5-2 in the evening, not morning, they had an evening service. If you showed up at 5-7, to seven, you had to stand along the back of the wall. And I'll tell you why you had to stand along the back of the wall. It's because the people were hungry for more of the Lord. It wasn't just enough to stick their big toe into the river. They wanted to jump in the whole way. They wanted not just to come up even to their neck. They wanted to be in the river over their heads. They wanted to swim in whatever God was doing. I'll tell you another reason why is because they had an expectancy. There was an expectancy that if we come, we don't want to miss out. This isn't like the next episode of a sitcom or, or a, a primetime TV show. You ever notice that there's times when you'll have a cliffhanger, right? In a TV show or a movie or whatever, you're looking for the next thing that's coming. And then people just can't wait to tune into the next episode. Folks, that's the way it was with church. People just couldn't wait to see what God was going to do next. Why? Because there was a spiritual hunger. I'm preaching to the heart a little bit this morning. There was a hunger for the Word of God. So in Nehemiah's day, here's the situation. Remember, we had a city that was basically lying in ruin. Nehemiah has a burden. He goes there after praying and he fasting. And after all of the hard work, because it was hard work to build those walls, even though it was done in a very short time, I think very short time, less than two months, things got all done. And yet through all of that, there was trial, there was tribulation, there was opposition, there was all sorts of uh, things to try to stop the work, to try to stop the people of God from completing that so that it would bring glory to God because that's what the enemies of the Jews wanted to do. If this doesn't go through, it puts God, paints God in a very bad light. So after getting all this, these things put into place, and the next thing that's important in the lives of the entire nation is that they need to get back to the Word of God. They need to get back to the Word of God. And this is what Ezra is doing. This is where Nehemiah is going with this. That this was a, this was a, a, um, a time when they said, look, we need, and if, if we're going to get the blessing of God in our lives, we, we, need to, we need to come back to the Word. There was a little kid, and uh, he picked up a Bible from the shelf one day. It was in his home shelf. And he said, hey, Mom, he said, he said is, this, is this God's book? She said, yeah, it, that is God's book. That's the Bible. He said, well, maybe we should give it back to him. We don't really use it. It's interesting that we have people that are going to Bible college, and they're being scored on an entrance Bible knowledge exam, and they're scoring very low. There is a problem that we have right now. It's called biblical illiteracy. It's not that you can't read. It's that you just don't do it. And so we have a problem in, in the church. And the problem is, is that we don't view our lives through the lens of a biblical worldview. And therefore, we're not guided by what God has told us to do. And the problem isn't that we can't read. The problem is we have no hunger. It's wonderful to worship. I love music, and I love to, to sing and praise God. But there's a crisis in the church when we will worship a God that we don't pray to. When we'll worship a God 
and we don't know his character because we don't know his word. The word of God. I know some people revel in the fact that we can have church service after church service and they'll say, it was wonderful. There was no preaching. Then there's no hunger for the word. And as good as it was in in Jerusalem, as good as it was that they got the walls rebuilt and the city streets were probably getting all cleaned up and everything was beginning to go well and all the leadership was put in place, the missing piece of the puzzle was God's word. And so it says that they assembled as one man and they told Ezra to bring out the law of Moses. No posters, no advertising special revival services. I want you to know Ezra was no T.D. Jakes. He was no T.D. Jakes. He was a scribe. And a scribe today would be like your professors. They would probably teach you very complicated stuff. But this was probably a, a gathering might have been a little spontaneous, a little orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. There's no explanation of just how all this came. But anyway, the point of the matter is, and this is the point I'm driving home, is that there was a deep spiritual hunger among the people. They were longing to hear the word of the Lord. So much so that he probably read, just read the text for five or six hours straight. And there are people who will say the pastor preaches too long if he goes over 30 minutes. So listen to how the preaching is described. Verse 4, Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform. He had Levites on each side of him. He opened the book. And, he, and as he read, the Levites gave meaning. He read, the, he read and then they gave meaning. So he read, and then there was explanation, and that's the way it went. For five or six hours. They never had any PowerPoint. They never had a bulletin to jot down their sermon notes. Nothing. Reading and explanation. I'm telling you, Ezra was no T.D. Jakes. You're not going to get any entertainment. There's no entertainment value in Ezra preaching or or, or, uh, reading the word. There was no entertainment value. There was no polished music in the, in the service, no theatrics, no trying to manipulate the crowd into some sort of a frenzy, no. All there was was the word of God and open hearts to receive it. Can I ask this question this morning of us? Do we really want to know him? Do we really have a hunger and a thirst to have guidance and direction do we desperately want to know him? Do we, do, we, do we want to have revival in our lives? One of the things, one of the ingredients in the recipe is spiritual hunger, spiritual receptivity. The second thing was not only did they listen, but they had a desire to understand the word of God. So they, they listened and they were attentive to what was being Read. If you look at verse 2 and verse 8, it tells us that the crowd was made up of those who could understand. So it was very clear. Now, why is understanding so important? It's important because change in your life is brought about in a very distinct order. First of all, you need to understand something. Then once you understand it, 
it begins to move into your conscience. Anybody have a voice that you hear in your head? Now, if you're a believer, I'm of the opinion, and uh, we can talk about it later if you disagree, but I want you to know that when you are a believer, that the Holy Spirit comes into your life. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You agree with that this morning? So when you come into, when the Spirit of God comes into your life, I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God speaks to you, human spirit, and so now he's speaking to your conscience. And I want you to know that if that is the case, then your conscience can be a reliable guide. But even before you're a believer, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit at work, and I'm, and I'm telling you, I believe he's at work. He's not just working work in the Christians' lives. He's at work in behind the scenes right now. And the Holy Spirit, when you open up the Word of God... You know how I know? I'll tell you why I know. Because my dad began to read the Bible one year before he came to the place where he needed to give his life to Jesus. And I believe this morning, as my dad read the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit was right there shining the flashlight on truth that my dad was beginning to receive as his understanding was there. But not only his understanding, the Spirit of God was taking and, and using the Word to bear upon his conscience. And as the word of God was bearing on my dad's conscience, he began to realize just how much he needed to get right with God again. Anybody ever had the Bible talk to you when you read it? You're reading the word of God, and all of a sudden you've got to stop. You need to put it down, because all of a sudden truth has hit you like a brick wall, and all of a sudden now it's like, whoa. It's hit your understanding. It's hit your conscience. But now it's hitting your heart. It's hitting your emotions. <clears throat> it's challenging your ambitions. It's challenging your affections. Where is your heart in the matter? And so the next thing you know, it moves from your emotions to your will because you're saying, now I need to do something about this. Do you, are you catching this this morning? The Word of God, God uses the Word... To, 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 so when you understand it, it moves to your conscience, from your conscience to your emotions, to your emotions, to your will. And as we know what the word says, we are not to be hearers only, but we are to be doers of the word. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to apply it to our life. If there is a truth there that God has to, for us to see, it's not just to gain Bible knowledge but it's to put the knowledge to work. Amen? So someone is, is in the church the first time, perhaps, and the first time they hear the gospel. And I want you to know the gospel's got good news and bad news. And sometimes it takes a little bit of the bad news for us to be able to understand how good the good news is. And so it moves to the place where maybe we might even feel, listen, there's times when we rejoice over the word. Do we ever re you ever rejoice over the, what the Word says? Have you ever read Ephesians? And Paul begins, and he's so excited because he's talking about how we've been adopted, and we've been chosen, and we've been set apart 
in him from the very foundation of the world and how we are heirs and seated in heavenly places and, and all every spiritual blessing is, is, is ours in the heavenly realm. I mean, you get excited, amen, and put crazy joy and you just want to put the word of God down and you want to praise him for how wonderful he is. But anybody ever read the Bible and all of a sudden, ooh, that hurts. Ooh, like, like Holy Spirit, I didn't know you had feet because you're stepping all over my toes. Sometimes we feel guilty. Do you know that feeling guilty isn't always bad? In our culture, we have, we have went to the other side. God is all love, but God is also justice. I want you to understand that. Are you catching what I'm preaching this morning? God is a holy God. He's a God of love, mercy, and grace, but God is also a just God. We have begun to forget that a little bit. Because we want everybody to, to embrace the, the love and the goodness of God, but we forget that God is also a just God. Because, folks, if, if you had a judge that overlooked a violent act of a hardened criminal, and that judge said, oh, it's okay, you'd say that that's a bad judge, wouldn't you? That's not justice. Well, I want you to know that our God is... He, he is the judge of the world, and he always does what is right. He's merciful, but he's also just. And he loves us so much that he wants oftentimes to check our conscience and check our hearts, and sometimes it hurts. Sometimes we feel, oh, no, I've, I've, I've gone the wrong way. I want you to know that being convicted of sin is not a bad thing. Hello? Being convicted of your sin is not bad because conviction is what leads you to repent. Amen? And if there's no repentance, there can be no forgiveness. And if there's no forgiveness, how do you experience God's grace in your life? Well, I'm sure that's how I felt when I was 12 years old and I re recognized that I needed a Savior. I recognized that I was a sinner. And I embraced the love of God, but I needed to deal with with my own sin. I have had personal sin that God needed to cleanse me of, but I had to acknowledge that it was there. And I knew that it was there because the word of God showed me that it was. I understood that truth. And that truth bared upon my conscience. And it bared upon my emotions. I became distressed. Well, what if I die not knowing the Lord? which drove me to my knees in repentance and saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Cleanse me from all of my unrighteousness. Cleanse me of my sin. Make me yours and help me to live a life for you. That's what the word of God did to my heart. Because I can tell you, I came home many nights from a Sunday night service. And when they preached about how close the coming of Jesus was, it sure kept you on your toes, or on your knees, I should say. Paul was aware of that sequence when it came to understanding and conscience and emotions and how it brought about repentance and belief. When he said this in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 2, he said, We've renounced the things hidden, not walking in, in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of this or read any of this or not. 
But there was, there was, in the days of the Great Awakening in the States, about the mid-1700s, I don't know if you've ever heard of the, of the sermon title, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Anybody ever hear tell that? Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Jonathan Edwards, a Congregationalist minister in, in Massachusetts, or no, excuse me, it was in Connecticut, Enfield, Connecticut. You see, there was a great awakening that was happening. There was a revival that was sweeping across the eastern seaboard of the United States. And there was a little place called Enfield, Connecticut. And in Enfield, Connecticut, they were deader than a doornail. They were not spiritually receptive, or so it seemed. And if you know anything about that historical event, you'll know that they were not touched at all by the waves of revival that were happening. They were not in the river, so to speak, at all. And so they be, there was some Christians that began to pray for Enfield. They were hoping that somehow that these showers of revival would fall upon them too. It was even a church meeting that was almost canceled because they didn't have a preacher that would be there. And here was Jonathan Edwards, very frail, very ill. But despite all those limitations that he could have, and he could have said no, he went there. And he rode on horseback to go and to preach and he preached probably one of the most powerful sermons ever recorded in North American history, maybe even in the world. And so, they got these bare wooden pews, and, and, and the Enfield Meeting House was full of people, and they were, well, Old Testament language, they would have been what you'd call stiff-necked, spiritually indifferent. And so he strode into the pulpit, he took, took out his manuscript, and in a very calm and a very measured tone. He was not, again, he was not a dynamic preacher by any stretch of the imagination. Edwards took his manuscript, and with his manuscript, he looked, because he had his eyesight wasn't the greatest, and he would do this. He would basically read verbatim his manuscript. And as he began to read his manuscript, Here's what his sermon title was. Deuteronomy 32, verse 35. Their foot shall slide in due time. And here's what he began to preach. Not very popular today and today. You will not catch this. You will not catch this on most network TV programs, Christian programs today. You would not catch a sermon like this. Not today. So what does he begin to do? He begins to paint a picture, a very horrifying picture, about the wrath of God. And he painted a picture of them being perched perilously on the slippery slope. Listen to this. The wicked under the condemnation of God. He described how God was holding them over the pit of hell like a spider. And how his wrath burned against them. Because they had offended him by violating his law. I'm sure that they got a lot of hallelujahs and, and shouting in that one. No, it didn't at all. But I can tell you what happened. They didn't look so smug anymore. During the, during the sermon, there were people that began to fall out of their pews. There were people who were white-knuckled, like I was in a 15-passenger van in a snowstorm. For fear I was going to go off the road with 15 teenagers, these people were white-knuckled on their pews, and, and, and they could sense the wrath of God 
imminently coming upon them. They were so afraid that they would actually fall, slide into the pit of hell. Now, I want you to know that that day, that church, those people in Enfield, Connecticut, were changed that day. They were changed that day. You know why they were changed that day? Because the Word of God hit their understanding so heavily. It hit the Word of God, hit their conscience. It moved from their conscience to their emotions and from their emotions to their will. And that day, there were scores of people in that church that were finding themselves repenting and crying out to God for God to forgive them and for God to save them. And I want you to know, revival came to Enfield, Connecticut that day. Folks, it, it, it will not come. When we, when, when we allow ourselves a diet of, of your okay messages. I am, I am a big believer that we need to preach the positive aspects of, of our relationship with Jesus. I am 100% we need to share the positive. But I also want you to understand as well that there is a very clear contrast between the righteous and the wicked. Very clear. The wheat and the tares. And so we have to preach a balanced message. And in that day, they needed that. That was what the Spirit led Jonathan Edwards to preach to them. That's how he used it. And that was the results of it. It brought about a deep conviction concerning their own wickedness. And God that day, the Spirit of God, I remember one time one guy said, said, how do you know when the Spirit of God has come into a community? He said, he said um, he, was at a, he was at a tailor getting his suit made. And there was a guy that walked into the store when the evangelist was there. And the guy walked in. He saw the evangelist, fell to his knees, began to cry out to God, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. He said, that's how you know the Spirit of God has come into a place. That's how you know. That's how you know. That's how you know. And here's what happened in verse 9. In this account, verse 9, it says, that For all the people had been weeping. So here's Ezra reading the law, and it says, All of them had been weeping as the, listening to the words of the law. So it was affecting their emotions. But I want you to know, it cannot stop at your emotions. I remember going to youth convention in Moncton as a teenager, and I remember seeing Peter of my own age at the altar call, and they were weeping. But I want you to know that's where it stopped. It only hit their emotions. Because weeks down the road, they were back living their same lives as they had always lived. Tears are not enough. Because really what happens is when there's true repentance and there's true change is that it leads to the third part. And that is a renewed interest to obey the commands of God. Verse 13 <clears throat> now the second day as the heads of the fathers of the houses of all the people with all the priests and Levites were gathered to Ezra the scribe in order to understand the words of the law as they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by, the, by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month that they should announce and proclaim in all their cities in Jerusalem saying go into the mountain bring all the branches branches of oil Myrtle branches, palm branches, branches of leafy trees to make booths as it is written. 
Then the people went out, brought them, and made themselves booths, each one of the, on the roof of his house, or in their courtyards, or the courts of the house of God, in the open square of the water gate, in the open square of the gate of Ephraim. So the whole assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until that day, the children of Israel had not done so. And there was very great gladness. Also, day by day, from the first day until the last day, he read from the book of the law of God, and they kept seven feasts, and on the eighth day there was a sacred assembly according to the prescribed manner. I just want to say this very carefully, is, this, is that when we obey what God has told us to do, it brings joy. I don't know if you noticed this, but there had been a long, long time that had passed when they hadn't done what the Lord had prescribed them to do. But I want you to know that when you come to a place and you recognize what it is that we're missing, when we come to the place when we're reading in our word, and hopefully we are, or we're hearing the word of God, and we recognize, Lord, there is a disconnect between between what you desire of me and where I am and what I'm doing. But once I recognize what is missing, then, I, then there's a, a choice I need to make. And that choice is, am I going to comply with what you have written? With what you have said? Do we not still believe that all Scripture is God-breathed? So when we turn into the Word of God, it should, it should challenge us to conform to it. So this is about doing the word of God. So they heard it, they acted upon it, and there was great gladness. If you go into Matthew chapter 13, I'm not going to do that right now, but if you, you'll remember Jesus sharing the, uh, the parable of the sower and the seed and how the seed was the word of God and the, we'll say the preacher was the sower and there were four different types of soil. And if you remember... You remember, there was only one type of soil that produced any fruit. You remember that? What did he call that soil? Was it weedy? Hard? Was it shallow? No. He called it good soil. Good soil. You guys know what good soil is because you're in farming territory. Nobody in their right mind would go out and Scatter seed on the pavement, right? Would you expect anything on the pavement? No, that's the hard place, right? Nobody would expect to, to get a whole lot if you were on, a, on, on the path that was beaten down. But Jesus says that some of that seed, <clears throat> that seed today, is gonna, there's going to be seed that's sown today in this service. As I'm preaching this message, there's going to be seed, this is scattering seed, and there's going to be seed that is scattered today, and it's going to fall, I'm praying, it's going to fall on good soil. Because it's the good soil that produces, that's the receptive heart. Remember, we began talking about spiritual receptivity and hunger. And in this instant, Jesus is talking about the good soil. It's, it's soil that is, that is lush. It is soil that when it, the seed goes in and it bursts forth with life, it produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. It produces a harvest, a 
fruit-bearing harvest. And the question I have for all of us this morning, as I am preaching about the importance of the Word of God and its role in revival, <coughs> spiritual receptivity, understanding, but also obedience. My question this morning is this, are we going to receive that or not? Are we going to receive the fact that we need to get back to a deep love for the Word of God to transform our lives? If you want, if you want revival, remember what it said, verse 7, from the, since the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day the children of Israel had not celebrated like this, and it says their joy was great. And I'll tell you why their joy was great. Because it, be, it, it was because of what was mentioned at the very beginning of the sermon. When I asked what comes to mind when you think of revival. Folks, I want you to know that when Ezra read the word of God and they responded to that word, it was giving them life. It was giving them life. It was changing their Lives as they understood it, as it was known to them, and as they began to embrace it, and as they began to act upon it, as they began to experience God as mediated through enacting the Word of God in their life. Verse, it says to us that they experienced the joy of the Lord. And how many know that the joy of the Lord is our? Life, revival, recipe for revival. Could we stand this morning? What's the recipe that I was bringing out? It was simply this. We need to be hungry and receptive. We need to, we need to have an understanding of how it works, and, not the other, and we have to let it work in our lives. We have to act upon it. We have to, to live it. How many would say this morning that we need revival? We need revival. I'm going to put that down. Who would say more? This altar is open. We're not in a rush. If you got a roast beef, you can always buy a new one. It burns up. But I want to open this altar up this morning. If this message is spoken to you. Father, that today would be somebody's day. And we just sense that something good is going to happen. Maybe this is the day that someone is saved. Maybe this is the day someone is healed. Maybe this is the day that someone is filled with power from on high. Maybe this is the day of revival. Must be more than this. Oh, breath of God, come breathe within. 
consuming fire a fan into flame a passion for your name a spirit of God fall in this place the Lord have your way the Lord have your way in a God, come breathe within. There must be more than this. Spirit of God, we wait for you. Fill us anew, we pray. Fill us anew.
God, that, Lord, that you would just begin to revive our hearts, revive our lives. Revive, Lord. Just, I pray, Lord, for a greater hunger, a greater desire, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that our the priorities of our hearts, oh Lord Jesus, our priorities of our lives will be aligned with your will and your ways. May you increase our understanding. May, may, Lord Jesus, you speak to our conscience. Lord Jesus, may we be moved. Move us, Lord. 
move us out of any dry or dead places. Lord, move us into places where there's life. As we, as we close the service today, that, Father, that you would just begin to speak to each and every one of us concerning, Lord, the truth, Lord, that we have covered today. And I pray, Father, that if anything has been accomplished whatsoever, that, Father, that there would be a greater hunger and a greater desire to know you, to know your word, and allow our lives to be formed by you. I pray, Lord, that you would check our hearts, our affections, our will, our ambitions. And I pray, Father, that, and Lord, that again, you will give us that, that hunger and that thirst for more. More, Lord. Set a fire down in our hearts, Lord. Set a fire in our souls. May the fire of God come. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, come. Come, Holy Spirit. And may we come back to this place with a greater anticipation, a greater faith, a greater expectancy, Lord, of what your work, your transforming power can do. And we just lay it all before you, Lord. We ask that you'll continue to work in our lives through the week, work in our families. Thank you for the miracles you have done. We thank you for the work and the miracles you're, you are, that is en route, you might say. And we thank you, Jesus, and we pray that we'll leave this place today with a greater joy and a greater strength than when we came before. We ask it all in your name today. Amen. 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 God bless you for coming today. I trust that you'll have a fantastic week.